Kia ora and welcome to my summary of Budget 2021. I want to start by remembering back to 1991. I was unemployed. My benefit got cut by Ruth Richardson in the mother of all budgets. Never quite forgiven her really. About six months after that cut, I got a job with Reuters as a financial journalist. And within a few weeks, I was at press conferences asking you questions about that mother of all budgets. But it's worth thinking about it again, because today the government has increased the main benefits by between $32 and $55 a week, which was more, to be fair, than I think many people were expecting. That's going to cost about an extra $700 million a year. It doesn't follow all of the recommendations of the Welfare Advisory Group, particularly around increasing working for families, but um, it is, according to the government, writing one of the main wrongs of the mother of all budgets. And that's true. However, to really right the wrongs of the early 90s, the massive changes in our employment landscape, in our investment landscape, in the increase in inequality, in not just incomes but wealth, in the sentencing of a generation or two to poverty, to the point now where one in five of our kids is living in poverty, where we have a massive shortage of, of housing, overpriced rents in houses at the same time as stagnant wages relative to our main rivals, are largely due to those unnecessary cuts and the big change in investment approach, which meant that uh, our R&D and business investment is amongst the lowest in the world, and that's reflected in our very low productivity figures. And the government could have done much more. Now, most people will say, hey, that's they've struck a balance. About half of the benefits of the stronger economy since the election has been captured in the form of debt reduction, and about half has been spent. So $20 billion better off than expected, and we've spent about $10 billion, and we've banked about $10 billion in the form of lower debt. But why? When you look at the costs of that debt, it's expected to be less than 1% of GDP within the next four or five years. If you look at the real cost of that debt, taking into account inflation, it's basically free from the next year or so. And yet the government has announced pretty puny increases in infrastructure spending. We're talking an increase in the uh, capital spending allowance by about $4 billion to $12 billion. And when you look at the charts showing infrastructure spending over the next four years, yes, there's a peak next year. Some of that is delayed spending from last year. And then we drop sharply lower. Why? Well, there's no good reason other than reducing debt earlier than we should. The government's uh, debt track means that we'll be falling as a percentage of GDP from the middle of the middle of uh, the 2020s and back in surplus by 2025, 20, 26. In fact, I think it could be earlier than that, two or three years earlier. That's because our economy is going gangbusters and our revenue system is designed to hoover up GST, income tax, and corporate tax. But we're still not getting the spending um, to reduce child poverty, to deal with climate change, and to deal with housing affordability, spending on social and physical infrastructure. That we can afford. Um, frankly, it's free. And no fund manager 
bond fund manager around the world is worried about it. In fact, Standard & Poor's are so unworried about it, they increased our credit rating last year. Because unlike in 1991, when Ruth Richardson, early in the year, had to race, fly to New York in the middle of the night with Graham Scott, the Treasury Secretary, to beg Standard & Poor's and Moody's not to downgrade us by two notches, where I understand she promised to cut benefits to make sure that we only had one notch of downgrade and not two. That was back in the days when the bond vigilantes were supreme. They could push governments around by pushing up interest rates. Now, interest rates are incredibly low, and we don't have to worry about the bond vigilantes. Yet, our public thinking on debt and the government's thinking on debt and the Median voters' focus group thinking on debt still says we have to worry about it. Uh, it's a tragedy, actually, that we're not trying to fully right the wrongs of the mother of all budgets by using our strong balance sheet, by using the huge amounts of cash that is flowing around the world that's just been printed and wants to go into government bonds. And it's not. The government's obviously done more than most people expected today, but it could do so much more, and it should. It should write not just one of the wrongs of the mother of all budgets. It should really go for the doctor and try and turn around the economy, which for 30 years has been stagnant because we haven't invested in our infrastructure, in our companies, and in our people. In fact, we widened inequality, created a generation or two of working poor, and people on benefits who are incredibly poor, a place where half of our kids are growing up in rental properties and a fifth of our kids are still living in poverty. Now, today's announcements do reduce that a bit, up to 33,000, but there's still a long way to go. And uh, a st an opportunity is still there. Grant Robertson described this as the first of a three budget set. And that's true, next year, and then the year after that, we'll have budgets before the election, the next election, and maybe we'll get some more of these wrongs righted in the next couple of years. But now would have been a better time. And the sooner it's done, the better. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was a Budget 2021 special on the Kaka. Thank you very much, and I welcome your comments and feedback below.